praise the Lord. Merry Christmas once again and welcome to church. Luke chapter number one, Luke chapter number one. We find the following words here in Luke chapter number one. The scripture says this, for with God nothing shall be impossible. For with God nothing shall be impossible. The Amplified Version of the Bible says the same scripture. For with God nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Verse 38 goes on and tells us. And Mary said behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. We've been ministering from the subject as we oftentimes do. Lord, I believe what that means. Really, I could put Lord, I believe 2023. Lord, I believe 2023. And looking at these elements in regards to this operation of faith that we see in the Christmas story. There are a lot of practical things that we can extrapolate from the, this particular story that I think sometimes we overlook. And one of the reasons why we overlook is because what happens in our society is that we interject other things that have nothing to do with Christmas into the story. We have stories and conversations about Santa Claus and elves. We have stories and conversations about magical, mystical things. And we miss the things that are already deposited within the scripture that are rooted in the truth. Why? By going after these fables and going after these uh, uh, misinterpretations or misunderstandings of history. There was a Saint Nicholas, but how many of you understand that he was a Christian? Which means that if he was still here today, he would be telling you about Jesus. He wouldn't be talking about, I want you to worship me as coming down a chimney. He would say, no, let's talk about Jesus and the incarnation. But we understand that particular concept, but we need to understand as well that the Christmas story itself is a story that is filled with people that operated by faith just like God calls us to do. He says, Gabriel says the word of the Lord to Mary, he says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. He says with God there are no limitations. With God, whatever the natural facts are, God can override that. And Mary says, all right, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, he says, she says to, to, to Gabriel, who is representing the Lord here. She says, Lord, I am available. Yeah, Lord, I choose to believe. Now, we've said in the past and we'll say again today that Mark chapter 9 and verse 23 tells us that Jesus said unto them, uh, unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So the impossible, as Jesus indicates in Mark 9 and 23, is a, it is accessible not to everyone. The impossible that God is able to do is accessible only to the ones that believe. Mary's response to Gabriel was a correct response. She said, be it unto me according to that word. In other words, Lord, I believe. Jesus says only the one that chooses to believe is the impossible accessible to them. 
Psalms 27 and verse number 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The belief is the important part that we need to extrapolate again this morning. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able, has the ability, what ability? To do the impossible. Now unto him who is able, and he says, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. All that we are able to cognitively reason within our limited understanding, God can exceed that. How? He says, according to the power that worketh within us. Well, we've said before, what power is that that works within us? It is believing. Believing. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray, he says, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 indicates to us, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, he says, must believe. Believe what? That he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Believing is where it is at. We have said before that there are five elements of faith. Then we've discussed really the first two. But the third element is this area of believing. The first one we've discussed was the area of hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Second area is this area of receiving. I take hold of it. But the third area is this area of believing. Well, Reverend, why do I have to believe? Because believing has to do with you believing something that you cannot physically touch yet. It has to do with you believing or you acting as if you got something that nobody else can see. Believing is the rub in faith. It is illustrated importantly within the Christmas story because everybody in the Christmas story had to operate by faith. Now, I was looking at this, and uh, I was also looking at some of the things I said on last year, and I was like, Lord, which way do you want us to go? And this is the way that we are going on this particular year. He said we need to deal with this area here before we look at the acronym once again. He said this area of there is a structure of believing. There is a structure of believing. The word structure is a very interesting word because it literally means there is a way in which the parts of a system are arranged or ordered. Structure is, once again, the way in which the parts of a system are structured or ordered, rather arranged or ordered. You say, well, what's the structure? How does this thing, in fact, lay out? It is a system arranged in this way. He says, all right, there is a structure. There is a structure to, or there is an arranged order to how we, in fact, go about believing. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Turn over, if you will. Let's stop here by Mark chapter 16 and verse number 20. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 20. <coughs> the structure of believing. The structure of believing. Now, I told you at the top of this year. That I believe the word of the Lord for us as a church was that this is the year of rest. It indicated to you at that time, it means, it means overall it is a place where you move into confidence and rest not in your ability but on the ability of God. 
Throughout the course of this year, there have been multiple things where I am convinced all of us had to say, God, I just trust you. I'm not sure how this is going to work, but God, I trust you. God, it looks really bad, but I'm going to rest in your ability, cast a care on you. And what am I going to do? I'm going to believe that you're able to make all things abound towards my good. That's what this year has been about. Now, let's look, though, at this structure of believing. Mark chapter 16, verse 20 says this. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. So this is the concluding conclusion of the book of Mark. And he said they go about and they preach the gospel. They went everywhere the Lord working with them. Notice the word says, as it says here. And confirming the word with signs following. And confer, con, confirming the word with signs following. And then it says amen. Now, I pause here because one of the things that I believe is important that we understand when we talk about believing is that the signs follow the believing. We don't believe the signs and then we start believing. In other words, we believe and signs follow. We don't look for a sign and then we say we're going to start believing. A lot of Christians, that's what they look like. They look at the different signs within their life and then they begin to place faith in the signs and not in the word of God. That is when you get things out of order. When I'm looking at individual signs, this is happening in my life, so this is, must be what God is saying. God says, no, the order is you look to what I said first, and then the signs follow what I said. And the issue that happens within a lot of Christians' lives is that when you start following the signs over the word, the devil can give you a sign. He can show you something, and if you put faith in that sign over what God said, that sign will get you into a position of error. Let me take another side journey. There was a prominent minister that said he had a sign. He was watching TV, and the Lord gave him a sign saying, I'm not the one starving children in Africa. Well, the word says something else. It says, go ye, preach the gospel to every creature. The sign says something different. He decided to believe the sign over what the word said. We don't place faith in the signs. We place faith in the word of God. And then the word of God will be confirmed with signs. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Now, the structure though, or the arrangement, the order of faith. That's one of them. The structure of believing, if you will, requires, dare I say this term, you to remain open. It requires you to remain open. Or when we say it requires you to remain open, I submit to you what I am really saying. It requires a level of adaptability. Adaptability. The word adaptability means an ability or willingness to change in order to suit the different conditions. You know, your call, the thing that God placed within your heart, has to have certain conditions for it to be able to function. It has to have certain things in place for it to be fully in its potency in manifestation. And sometimes one of the reasons why God says, I want you to hold, I want you to delay, or I want to redirect you, is because of the fact the conditions are not correct for what he called you to do. And so what happens is, while he's arranging the environment, he says, I need you to be adaptable. A lot of Christians are very rigid. Well, Lord, they got to do this. God, God says, no, I need you to remain open. Remain open to the environment that you're in. Now, there are a lot of things that Gabriel said to Mary. 
He said about Jesus. He said how how she was going to be uh, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He said these things, but there's a lot of stuff he didn't say. And for her to, in fact, to receive everything that God had for her, it required for her to be adaptable. There are certain things that he didn't say, such as he didn't say how Elizabeth was going to react at hearing the news of the pregnancy. He didn't say to, to, to Mary, all right, this is how Joseph's going to react to you, you telling him that you're pregnant with a child of the Holy Ghost. He did not say, in fact, uh, where her yes would, in fact, lead her. But one of the things that we see that's central within the passage of Scripture, where Mary says yes, and then we see the corresponding Scriptures, where she goes down the journey of faith, we never see her operating in complaining. He, she never gets to a position where she's like, this is not what I thought it would be, and starts complaining to God. Philippians 2 and verse number 14 out of the New Living Translation says this. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything. Everything that you can imagine. He says without complaining and arguing. He says so that no one can criticize you. Now let's pause and stop and think. If I am complaining, if I am arguing with people, then I am opening the door for people to criticize me. Why? Because you ain't acting like him. So when I am using my mouth for unauthorized activities, I open the door for people to criticize me. He says, live clean, innocent as children of God. Shining light like, uh, he says, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And you can have a lot of crooked and perverse people, even amongst people at the church. So therefore, he says, what keeps you out of being criticized is you keeping or watching this complaining spirit and this arguing spirit, being more like Jesus. What we see with Mary is that we never see her complaining. Lord, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Lord, what do you mean we don't have a room at the end? Lord, I don't understand. Never do we see this within the narrative. She is adaptable. This is what it is. All right, we can deal with it. And God's still going to bless. This is how it's going to go. Okay, we can deal with that. God's still going to bless. Adaptability. Matthew 16, I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Matthew 16 and verse 24 says this. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, he says, let him deny himself. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When he says deny himself, he means set aside selfish interest. When it's not about you, then it's about him, then you can be adaptable. When it's about you and what you want and your pleasure and, your, and how it will suit you best, then it's hard for you to be adaptable because that's not what you want. And he says, if you are going to be his disciples, adaptability is a must. You must be deny yourself, take up your cross, which means expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. Not just the stuff you like, but the stuff you don't like. He says, and follow me. Follow me. A lot of Christians say they follow Jesus, but they fall into the place, to the point they want to go. And Jesus said, we're going this way. He said, we, I don't want to go that way. He said, come on, we're going this way. Lord, that's not what I want. God says, see, you ain't adaptable yet. 
I know we said I looked like I was going that way, but I said, let's make a left here. And you said, but Lord, I've been going this way all this time. He said, it's time to make a left. And you said, but I don't understand. He said, are you yet adaptable? Because you don't know what changed down this journey on the right, how the environment shifted. And I'm now calling you to go to the left because of the fact you don't understand everything on the right. And he says, if you allow me to be your shepherd every day and not just Sunday, you're going to follow me. Adaptability is a part of the structure of believing. First Corinthians chapter number nine. First Corinthians chapter number nine. Take a look at this. This is Paul saying and ministering on this concept of adaptability. He says to the weak I became as weak. He says that I might gain the weak. He said I made all things. Uh, he says I am made all things to all men that I might by means save some. The Passion Translation literally says it this way. I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have adapted to the culture of every place that I've gone so that I could be more easily or I could more easily win people to Christ. I have become adaptable because the mission demanded it. The mission was more important than my comfort. The mission was more important than what my expectations are. This is a part of the structure of believing. Let's look at number two. The structure of believing then therefore requires, the structure of believing requires that, uh, requires that you moderate expectations without dilution. It requires that you, it requires you to uh, moderate expectations without dilution. Look at this over in Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 7. Notice the scripture says this out of the Christmas story. It says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Now the expectation there I say when they went to Bethlehem as they get to Bethlehem clearly they had enough money to be able to afford a room they expected that they could get a room in Bethlehem. That's what the expectation was. But in fact, when they got there, they discovered something about what they were expecting. It wasn't going to look the way they thought it was going to look. Maybe there was an environment that Mary had in her mind because she was a woman in this culture that this is how you have children. And yet she's getting ready to have a baby and it's not in the environment that she's used to. But she has to learn how to moderate expectations without dilution. Dare I say to you that the journey may not look the way you envision. It may not look the way you thought. It may not look the way you, you, you had this image when God spoke to you about how he was going to do this within your life. How he was going to do that in your life. And you begin to envision a certain journey. And God says that ain't how it's going to look. God said this to me this morning. He said, if you recall within uh, uh, Samuel, Samuel goes looking for a certain structure. He goes looking for a certain man. He goes looking for something that looks like Saul. And God looks at him and said, don't you look at the outward appearance. He says, it's the heart. In other words, he was expecting a certain look, a certain demeanor, and a certain location. But God called David. 
He said to me this morning, Israel was expecting a revolutionary king for physical conquest to be born in a royal place, but the king was born in a manger. What the Christmas story shows us and what we need to understand about the structure of believing is that we have to moderate our expectations without dilution. It may not always look the way you thought it was going to look. And for this cause, a lot of people won't give birth to destiny because they got to do it in a manger and not in the room. And so you are looking, it's got to be like this God. It's supposed to be like that God. And I won't give birth to it because it don't look right. And God says you are aborting the baby because you don't understand. It is consistent with the environment that I have for you and not what was in your head. Let's look at this word dilution. The word dilution means mixing in something to dilute. Now I said we got to moderate without dilution. You got to moderate your expectations without dilution. You don't mix in something. The word dilution also means the action of making something less strong or valuable. Now you have a strong source. When you dilute it, you might mix in some water so it's not as potent as it used to be. When you moderate your expectations, you do not add in, dare I say, a little bit of unbelief. When I use this term, moderate your expectations, some people, that's exactly what they hear. They hear, that means that, okay, Reverend, you need to use a little common sense with this. That's what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't say add in a little unbelief with your faith. It doesn't mean add in a little bit of what you understand with your faith. Which means leaning to what you understand. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Let's look at this once again. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all. 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 All thine heart. Not a part of it. Not a percentage of it. He says the whole thing. And then he says and he says and lean not to thine own understanding. Now he says, all right, I'm going this way. But I was expecting to see that. Well, it can't be God because it don't look right. He says, you lean to your own understanding. And what happens a lot of times with a lot of Christians is you begin to insert areas of unbelief and it begins to dilute the faith that you should be operating in. He says, watch this. With all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. Now, verse number five, once again, your own understanding. The word understanding, he says, lean not to your own understanding. It is also from a Hebrew word, which means your own faculty. It means your own knowledge, your own discernment, and your own wisdom. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't rely on your own faculty. Don't rely on your own knowledge. Don't rely or lean on your own discernment. Don't rely or lean on your own wisdom. And when things don't look right and God says, I need you to moderate your expectations, that's what we started to do. We say, well, I got to to be, he said, don't do that. Because that's how you get out of order. Notice this, that God operates in the supernatural, which may not look spectacular. God operates in the supernatural, but it may not look spectacular. You all remember the story, I think, I can't remember what preacher said it at what time. But he talks about, you know, 
uh, maybe a deacon or a pastor, he's, he's shipwrecked and this boat turns over and he's out in the middle of the ocean. He's saying, God, would you send me help? Lord, I'm sinking, would you send some help? And then somebody comes by on the boat and he says, hey, brother, you know, you need some help? He said, no, God's going to save me. And then the boat says, you for real? And he just goes on. He said, God, send me some help. God, send me some help. And then a cruise liner comes by and says, hey, buddy, come on. We want to save you. We want to bring you. He said, no, no, God's going to save me. And then the cruise liner says, for real? And then they, they go on. A little while later, a plane spots him. And then it's that kind of plane that can land on the ocean. And it lands and it says, hey, man, we here. We saw you all distressed in the ocean. And he said, we've landed to be able to save you. He says, no, no. God is going to save me. And you know what happens to the preacher or the deacon? He dies in the ocean. And then he gets to heaven and he says, God, but I prayed, I believed in faith. I was standing on the word. I named it and I claimed it. And why is it that I'm here before my time? And God says, son, I send you two boats and a plane. The reason why you're here is not that I called you up here right now. It's because you would not receive what I sent because it didn't look the way you thought. And so many of us, that's what it looks like within our life. We won't receive what God has for us because it don't look right. Christmas, dare I say, is the blend of the spectacular and that which seems regular, normal, and ordinary. Within our life, we need to understand there are certain things that are spectacular. But there are certain things that are so random, so ordinary that we don't think they're supernatural. Because we can't see the hand of God, not in that ordinary thing, not in that seemingly normal thing. But supernatural simply means God backed. Turn over to Proverbs 16 and verse number 9. Proverbs 16 and verse number 9. Notice this word here. Are you with me? Proverbs 16 and verse number 9. The scripture says this. Man's heart devises his ways. But the Lord directs his steps. The word devises comes from a Hebrew word which means to think. Man's heart's heart thinks his way. It also means plans, extends, it means calculate. Man's heart calculates his way. Most of us do that. Calculates the way. It also means invents, it means makes a judgment or imagine. Man's heart invents, makes a judgment, and imagines his way. But the scripture says, but the Lord directs his steps. <clears throat> Even when God calls you to do something, we all, we all, we, we come up with something. I can tell you as a pastor, there, if, you, if the Lord would sit down with me, I said, Lord, this is how I really like for it to happen. Just like this right here. Do this, this, and this, and I think we could make it. <laughs> That's not how it works. God is the one that directs the steps. The Amplified Version of the Bible says it this way. A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. So God, when he directs your steps, he's the one that can make sure that every step that you take is a sure step. And not one that you're going to fall off of. The New Living Translation says it like this. We can make our own or our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Determines. Well, what does he determine our steps based on? He determines it based on you and where you are. 
It's maybe not again that the step is an issue that, 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 that you can't take per se in your own thinking. But God knows you can't handle it right now. And so God oftentimes will do, he'll mature you, he'll wait till you're ready to take the step. He says, all right, for you, it's going to take five years. For her, it's going to take two. But since I'm God and you're not, you don't get to determine the years. So God shows you vision, yet he also reveals his steps. Mary, 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 Mary. This is what's going to happen. You're going to have a baby. But every step that you take from here on he says I'm going to be with you even when it doesn't seem like I'm with you the, the passion that you have to all of a sudden go to Elizabeth's house that's of me because you committed yourself to me he says there I say I am becoming the director of your life because you said Lord I'm the handmaid of the Lord which means I'm the servant of the Lord which means Lord wherever you lead I'm willing to go Next thing, number three, watch this. The structure of believing requires you, number three, to expect God to speak through uncommon voices. Expect God to speak to you through uncommon voices. Luke chapter 1 once again says this in verse 39. And he says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town. Verse 40, where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Let's stop there. The scripture says that she hurried. A few days later, she hurried to the country of Judea. The country of Judea to the town. Now, we think of this and we can gloss over this, but Judea, by our calculations, is about 68 miles from Nazareth where Mary was. So after she has an encounter with Gabriel, Mary says, I'm going to hurry to go see what, uh, what Gabriel just told me. He told me because she couldn't call Elizabeth and say, hey girl, how you doing? Heard you pregnant. She couldn't send a text. She couldn't send a FaceTime. She couldn't do any of these things. So she said, I'm going to go see what the angel said because that's going to be my point of contact where if he said this and I see this, I have something else in which I can anchor my faith. It's the structure of belief. So she goes 68 miles. By today's standards, it's about two hours and 41 minutes. And it might be a little bit longer than that given everything that's taking place in Israel right now. So it's about 68 miles. She hurries and goes. I submit to you what we see is that some wisdom only comes through sacrifice. What happens, and we'll look at that in just a second, with the encounter of revelation that she receives from Elizabeth, it only took place because she decided that she was going to sacrifice convenience to go see what God said. And that's the case in our lives. So many of us will never hear or receive the wisdom of God because we want it through convenience. We won't sacrifice. We won't do what needs to be done so that we can be in position to receive what God has for us. Please understand that everything in the kingdom ain't going to be for free. There's going to be some stuff that's going to cost you financially. It's going to cost you from time. It's going to cost you in every area of your life for you to get what God has for you. So many Christians want things for free. So many Christians don't want to pay the cost, but they want all of the benefit. And it's only going to happen once again for what he has for you when you decide to make the sacrifice. This is what we see with Mary. She makes a sacrifice and she goes to Elizabeth's house about 68 miles away. Verse 41, watch this. 
And at the sound of Mary's greeting, now get this in your head. She goes through the door. She says, hey, Zachariah, man, how you doing? Ain't seen you in a long time. Elizabeth is somewhere and she hears the sound of Mary. Her greeting. Notice the Bible says, Elizabeth child leaped in within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So if Mary never makes the trip, the baby never leaps, and the Holy Ghost doesn't come on Elizabeth. That's what the problem is. See, a lot of folks think that it's just going to come on you just because you ought to. No, 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 no. When you make the sacrifice, see, you can draw out of people stuff that God has on the inside of them because you make a sacrifice. I can tell you within my own life, when I go down to Greenville, I say I'm going to make a demand on the deposit that's in the man of God. He might be tired. He might not be thinking about me, but whatever God you got on him right now, I make a deposit. I make a draw out of that deposit. See, what happens when you will sacrifice to get in the right environment, God will meet you at your level of sacrifice. Now, I don't know why it's coming out that strong. Verse 42. Scripture says this, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed, Mary, she says, watch this. She said to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Mary hasn't said a word about being pregnant. She hasn't said a word about an angel talking to her. But when the Holy Ghost comes on, the woman of God, she looks at her and says, you blessed. Mary might have been coming through the door thinking maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't real. Maybe, maybe she's not really pregnant. Maybe I just ate some. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But when she gets into the presence of this woman of God, the woman of God, the first thing she says is you are blessed above all women. And your child, which means there has to be one, is blessed. Notice it says, verse 43. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? She hadn't seen an angel. She, she hadn't seen an angel. Now you remember Elizabeth because it was Zachariah who had the encounter with Gabriel at the temple. Elizabeth never actually saw an angel. She never got a direct word from God. But yet she looks at the mother of our Lord and Savior. And she says, you're blessed. Your child is blessed. And she says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord would visit me? Revelation knowledge will flow at the area where you sacrifice. Revelation knowledge flowing through an uncommon voice. She says, verse 44, when I heard your greetings, the baby in my womb jumped. The baby in my womb jumped for joy. I submit to you, see, what happens is when you're pregnant with something from God, sometimes God will put you around other people for your baby to jump. That's why he brings other people into your environment. When y'all get around each other, it seems like that's just the spirit of joy on you. Why? Because of the fact there is that connection. And sometimes that's what God does, just to stir you up in faith. He says, I'm going to put you around places where the spirit of joy will be in its place so that your believing will continue to grow. He says, verse 45, you are blessed because, notice what? Because you believed, past tense. The Lord, that which, or that the Lord would do what he said. 
So he says it wasn't because you're so special. He doesn't say because you are uh, born under a certain star. It isn't because you're my cousin. It isn't because of any of these things. He says that you are blessed because you believed. So what is this? Elizabeth represents a relational word of confirmation. She represents a relational word of confirmation. Now, at some point in time, we're going to talk about varying anointings. Because the, one of the issues that we have within the body of Christ is that a lot of people like to pass over certain things. You say, what do you mean, Reverend? Well, if your family can't see the change in you, how do you expect all of us to see it? In other words, if your family don't recognize you as a man or woman of God, but you want the rest of us to, we, we need to check that. You need an in-house revelation that you are a man or woman of God before God really can send you out. That they look at you and they say, all right, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We see a, a dramatic change within them. We see that they have, in fact, love, they have a love for the word of God. We see that their character has shifted. And as we see that, the first confirmation that you oftentimes get is a confirmation that comes from people that actually know you. That you, in fact, have changed. The first revelation, the first uncommon voice that Mary has within her life is somebody that she's related to. It's not bypassed. It's a cousin that looks at her and say, girl, there's something on you. There's something different about you. A family or a friend, friend that knows you. Let's start right there. We'll pick up there on Thursday. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this morning. Lord, we thank you that we are learning the structure of how to believe or the structure of believing. Lord, as you continue to open these areas to us, Lord, we believe that we receive every word that you have that puts us in a position that we can see the impossible in manifestation within our life. God, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so, Lord, we'll stop complaining to you about these areas that don't look right, but we'll talk to you about what you already said. No word from God is ever void of power. And so, Lord, we want to see manifestation. So we're going to set our mouths in agreement with what you already said. We give you praise and we give you glory that one of the things you said is, Lord, you're with us always, even until the end of the world. So, Lord, even when we feel like we're all by ourselves, that nobody sees us, Lord, we thank you that you're always ever present with us. To comfort, to strengthen, and to guide. And so, God, we give you praise and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, everyone in agreement did say, Amen. Praise the Lord. I just closed the Bible. <laughs> well, it's giving time. It's giving time. Notice the scripture says over in Proverbs chapter number 3, uh, the King James Version of the Bible, in verse number 9, it says this, honor the Lord, honor the Lord, honor him. Well, the word honor, we've already somewhat discussed, it means to esteem the Lord. To esteem the Lord, he says, and how do I do so? Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of thine increase. He says, esteem the Lord. Esteem the Lord with your substance. 
and the first fruit of everything that has been increased within your house. And he says, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and they will they shall press thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now it does seem like there that there's a confusion going on within the scripture. So honor the Lord by giving to the Lord and he says in turn by me giving I'm going to have my barns be full. In the natural mind you're like well when I give that means I, my barn is not as full as it used to be. God says, no, when you honor me, he says, now I'm responsible for filling your barn. He says, when you honor me with your first fruit, when you honor me with your substance, he says, you place me in position where the impossible is possible for you. Three ways you can give to the training center. One way is by way of our online giving, which is www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. Second way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Third way is by way of our uh, mail, which is the training center uh, located at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina. And of course, uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. And of course, you can give live and in the house. Some might be wondering, you know, why is it that he announces that? Well, we have a podcast that is available every week, praise God. And there are some that listen on the podcast so they can't actually see our screens. So that's one of the reasons why I go through each one of those and actually say it so that it's on the recording as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. All three ways are available for you to give uh, virtually. And of course, again, you can give live and in the house. Whichever way that the Spirit of the Lord is, in fact, leading you to give, we thank you for your obedience to him and for you releasing your faith for the increase. Amen. Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and, yes, in fact, those that have already sown into this ministry. Father, we bless you and we praise you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to honor you with our substance and our first fruits. We thank you, Lord, that as we bring our tithes and offering to the storehouse, we thank you, Lord, that you're one, that you're responsible for filling our bones. We thank you, Lord, that therefore you're responsible for opening the window of heaven over our life and pouring us out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. We thank you, Lord, because of the honor. We thank you that you are the one that's responsible for the rebuking the devour for our sake. We thank you, Lord, because we have a motivation to give out of a cheerful heart that you'll make all grace abound towards us. So we speak to our seed and say, seed, go and grow. And produce a harvest in the name of Jesus. And we believe that we receive it done in Jesus' name. Everyone in agreement did say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Once again, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, I want to emphasize once more, praise God, that we have several books that are available for your edification and your growth. Praise God. They are available on Amazon for your purchase or, of course, like I've always said, you can simply let us know that you want a book and we will send a book to you. Praise the Lord. Uh, additionally, we have a member of our church that has written another bestseller. Praise God. <laughs> um, uh, and it's been released on Amazon as well. It is entitled, It Doesn't Hurt Anymore, Black Woman's Fight for Overcoming Racial Tensions Within a Toxic Workplace. And a lot of y'all work in a toxic workplace. 
She's specifically talking about this area of racial tension. And I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed, this is a great book that will encourage you and bless you in the Lord in regards to that. Amen. All of these books are available on Amazon for your purchase. And of course, I know knowing Dr. Smith, if you are in need of one and you don't have the $10, I'm sure she'll bless you with one. Praise the Lord. So get these books. Praise God for what God is doing through us here at the training center. Amen. We will return on this Thursday with our midweek Bible study as we prepare for Christmas as next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, will be Christmas Eve. It's a good time to come to church on Christmas Eve. Amen. So we will see you here on Thursday night for our uh, continuation on Bible uh Bible study on Thursday night. Amen. May God bless you. May the favor of God rest heavily on you this week as you trust in God. Amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.